it going? Oh, it's going, my friend. Let's go. (laughs) Hello, everyone. My name is Rachel Frazier, and I am, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm a little nervous, but mostly excited because we're flipping the script today. You've never heard my voice. But I am now the host for this episode. No one I told love that me. you threw that in for this episode. <laughs> Everyone calm down. Everything's okay. <laughs> They're like, no. No, really, Rachel had to step in because we had some scheduling issues that happened this week. And I was like, I'm now left without an episode to release. And I got to thinking, okay, I really don't have it in me. Guys, I stared at a computer screen for three hours three one day. I and watched was, her. No, <laughs> and was like, I can't do another solo episode. I don't have it in me. I have things to say, but I don't know how to write them and then sit there by myself and talk about them because I'm just not that person. So I thought, who could be a great guest host? And you know who I thought of? You you called five different people and then I she did. was like... And then I called well. I called several different people and then I landed on Rachel and she's the one who said yes. Here I am. <laughs> it's so great. We're, we're hanging out in my living room. I just finished off my... Coke Zero and Goldfish. Honestly. Gosh, the new house. Rachel said, wait, isn't that your old house across the street? It's right across the street, guys. I was like, that's your old. I I was there and now we're here. Okay. So first things first, a lot of people have this question. Why did you start this podcast? Why did you start? No one told me. It was a little spark. Tell us about it. So it was so funny because two years ago, there's a broader story and it's really this broader story is not that funny. Being in a nursing mother's room. And it was with my second kid. So I'm just like, hey, finish your job. Get off, get off me, pull my shirt back down. We're moving on. (laughs) But it's different with the second. But I remember sitting there and I was wrapping up the process and this other mom walked in. And I'm telling you, if you don't make a conversation in the nursing mother's room, it's just going to be awkward because, you know, you're letting it all hang out. And you just, you might as well talk about it. it. (laughs) Um, But anyway, she came in and she just looked so frazzled and she looked so just like overwhelmed. She was carrying a carrier with like a I swear, a five-week-old in it, tiny little baby. Mm. So I just start talking to her and getting to know her. And she just shares this incredible story. She starts crying and she just is like, I don't know what to do. And Mm. I just was talking to her and I, you know, was able to give her the insight that none of us know what we're doing. You're not alone in not knowing what you're doing. (laughs) Welcome to the club. We're all guessing. Anyways, we talked about all that. And I remember going home and thinking, there is so much that no one tells you. Like there is so many seasons of life, not just motherhood, but every season. And you're thinking, hey, I know someone else has been here before. Why do I not know anything about this? Like mm. who doesn't love me enough to tell me what the tell heck me how to do is, my taxes, please. What is going the season's on? Season's coming up. But you know, it just started developing this whole concept that hindsight is everything, but it only means something if you're sharing it. It has so much more value. And like we talk about shared experiences and how valuable they are. Well, they're only valuable if you're actually sharing them. If you're yeah. actually telling people this was me, because my goal is when you listen, I want you to be able to think when you feel isolated or alone in what you're thinking or feeling in whatever season you're walking through. I want you to hear someone on here and I want you to say, I thought that, but I thought it was just me. I felt that. But I thought it was just I'm not me. alone. I'm not alone in this. Or <laughs> if it's a, something you think is ahead of you, I want these things that you hear. I want them to just dive deep in your brain. So when you walk into this season, it's the first thing that comes to mind. When you are sitting in a nursing mother's room and feeling completely helpless, you remember, hey, other people have felt helpless here too. Other people have felt completely unequipped to mm-hmm. do this too. I, I'm not less than because I feel this or yeah. whatever it may be. And so I had that interaction with her and I had just met with a mentor of mine and he had said, you know, God will give you ideas and give you purpose and a calling and he will impress that on you. And he expects you to be obedient and step into it and do it. But here's the deal. If you don't, 
If you're disobedient to something he lays in front of you and calls you to do and you don't do it, his plan will still be done. He'll just use someone else to get it done. Mm. And that made me want to vomit to think (laughs) I don't get to do like, like, wait a second. (laughs) Wait, I want to be a part of his plan. I want to be a part of building that kingdom. Yeah. And I just kept thinking that like, Callie, you have this idea and it's very hard. You can't shake it. You wake up thinking about it. You go to sleep thinking about it. You're writing down ideas and, and everything else. And well, I felt completely ill-equipped because I didn't know anything on the technical side. God pointed out the people in my life who did and the people who I could lean into who he had also specifically gifted and made capable of doing this and made the space in their lives to where they could help me with this. And so I talked to our friend, Whitney, who you've heard several times on here, the queen. And she was like, Callie, you have, you have to do this. You absolutely have to do this. And that just goes back to the power of empowering each other. When someone shares something with you, they kind of just need someone to say, I believe in you. I believe you can do this. And the power of someone saying they believe in you is sometimes all you need. So that's where it's it started. It's just there's something about feeling seen and feeling like someone understands you and being able to recall that later in life. And that's how we got to no one told me two years later. That's a that's a good story. I know it, obviously, but hearing it a little bit more in depth is always I don't know. It's just always a little bit eye-opening and honestly very inspiring. I just can't believe it's been two years. We'll be doing it here. My goodness. Thank and goodness for summer breaks. I, right? <laughs> we write. I like I remember you starting it right around the time that I was just about to get married. And I was elated, honestly, because I was like, yes, please tell me how to be a wife. Please tell me what to do. Can you please? Yes, let me know. And so one word that I think of when I think of your podcast is equip. I just feel very equipped. One of my favorite episodes ever is the one with Don Wilson. And it was just so incredible. Did you guys say anything that was like, I've never heard this before. This is Mm. life changing my mind and my everything about what I think is different. No, sure. But it was just so powerful hearing just the practical Mm -hmm. and just equipping people Mm -hmm. for the practical day to day life Mm -hmm. is like, honestly, like truthfully what this podcast has meant to me personally. I used to kill myself to think of creating episodes that every single person who listened could relate to. I wanted every time you listened and I mean, I mean it, I want you to be better every time you listen to this. Like I want as soon as it's over, I want you to feel better than when you push play. And I remember trying to make it broad enough to hit everybody because our demographic is broad. We have 16 year olds all the way up to 50 year olds. Mm -hmm. And I love it so much. But that means you're all in different life stages. That's a broad demographic. And what I had to realize was, just like you said, when you got married, you were hungry for it. There's going to be seasons that you are ready to learn something like you are ready to know more about something. Mm -hmm. And there are some that you're like, this, this isn't for me. And that's okay, too. I just hope there's always something for you to come back to when you inevitably get to a season that you either didn't see coming, a season that you don't know how to navigate, a season that you really wish someone would have told you about. I hope you can go and scroll and just dig through. Find it. Because I promise you, we have covered everything. Find the content. You name it. I swear to you, it has been covered on this episode. (laughs) It's there. (laughs) Just look. (laughs) Just kidding. But with all of that, I think with obviously aging and and finding things um, out maybe more about yourself or your spouse or kind of whatever and being equipped for those seasons kind of comes into I think just maturity and with maturity the next question here I think kind of dives into that a little bit because the question is a listener wants to know 
when to push yourself to do more versus when to rest your mind and your body. So kind of like that kind of hustle versus self-care, kind of what that looks like. And I think a lot of that comes with maturity, obviously. Mm -hmm. But what do you have to say about that? Because I think you not have mastered it, but I think you do a very good job of both. Oh, gosh. Well, I have fooled you if that's the case. But I will say, and even for you, Rachel, you're a three on the Enneagram. I am. So you love a hustle. You love a good hustle. Love a good set a goal. Set Let's a carrot go. in front of you, and you are going to get that carrot. I'm like, a rabbit. <laughs> it is just you You love the hustle part. And I do, too. I, I think I told you before we even hit record, I love building things. It's my favorite thing in the world to build something and then hand it off so I can build something else. I'm super passionate about that. But I've noticed that my hustle is tied to my self-care. Like if I'm Mm. not managing my energy intentionally using my yes deliberately and my no decisively, then I don't have anything to put into the hustle anymore. It's just scraps that Mm. I'm offering at that point. And, you know, then I'm just really kind of okay. It's something else we talked about. I'm just kind of okay at a lot of things. And my personality is I don't like to just be okay at something. Like I want to be like top three. It's why truthfully, Ryan and I used to do CrossFit and then I got pregnant with Henley Mm. and I didn't Mm. know how to scale what I was doing because I still wanted to be like top of the leaderboard. (laughs) And so Ryan was like, you have a baby. (laughs) Ryan was like, you are growing a human being. You have to chill out. And I don't know how to do that. Like, I'm just like, I'm going to the top every time. Right. Like you might put me at the bottom. I'm going to be at the top, you know, like just to quote, start from the bottom, quote a great philosopher. (laughs) But I just, I had this hustle and desire to do more and more and more. But I noticed that if I wasn't managing my energy, and this is a huge thing I've learned the past couple of years, you can manage your time, which is great. Like, okay, from here to here, I'm going to do this from this time to this, I'll do this, I'll wake up, I'll go work out. Time blocking. Yes, (laughs) but which is valuable to learn how to do because then you're accounting for your time. But managing your energy Mm -hmm. is so much bigger than that and the energy you bring into any scenario. And if I wasn't taking the time to pay attention to myself and what I needed or what I didn't need any more of, then I was depleting any energy I could put toward the hustle, mm-hmm. right? So the things that I did care about and wanted to get done, I didn't have that much to offer because I was spreading myself across all of the things, which we hear all the time. It's what you say, like, this is not ground, like earth shattering news to anyone. This is this you've heard about it. So if self care physically or mentally, emotionally and spiritually, if it isn't a priority for me, No one else is going to make it a priority for me. So I think I just kept thinking someone was going to be like, you know what? Take a break. Take a break. You need to build in some more time and you need to think about doing this. And I think we wait for someone to to make that space for us, you know, like a parent or a spouse, a best friend or a boss. They're going to tell us and equip us to take care of ourselves. But few, if any, there are some incredible bosses and some very like self-aware people who want to do that for someone else are going to do that for you. But a lot of them will support you if you make the decision to care a little more about yourself so that you can care even more about those around you. But it has to start with you. Like you'll have great people who will support it. But if you're not starting it, if you're not saying, hey, I'm noticing that my energy is low on these days. Mm -hmm. And it's usually after I do something like this. If you're not aware of your fills and your empties, no one else is trying to be aware of it either. Like a self-care intervention a little bit. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you can say to yourself, hey, I'm at the bottom of my energy levels. 
I'm going to do something about it. I guarantee you if people in your life, you're going to support it, but they're probably not going to be the first ones to do something about it. That's so good. I think what you said kind of at the beginning too, about anyone can time manage. Sure. I mean, they teach you to do it in school, you know, that you're going to go from math from this time to this time. You're going to go from science from this time to this, you know, we we kind of are taught to do that, but the energy management of it, Mm. that is kind of where it gets a little bit dicey, a little bit tricky. And I like what you said about how it's just, it's way more than time. It's way more than 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Energy management can come in waves or seasons or kind of whatever that looks like for different people. And I think that's sometimes why it's a little bit difficult is because every person is different. Mm -hmm. That's super good. Speaking, segue, speaking of energy management, I like something it. You're learning so a lot. Much. You're learning so much. I love it. <laughs> something you have to manage a lot, which I don't know about, which is why we're asking you, obviously. <laughs> people had a lot to ask about children. Just all the questions. And I, had I known, even people who don't have kids are like... I'm sure I was one of them. It's probably one of the number Tell one me. questions that Let I will know. get is what is... What is labor actually like? What are you Ooh. doing in there? Like, <laughs> tell me what's up. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just there to there. Tell me what to I do. I don't know. I just push and it's there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is really what happens, essentially. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm scared. No, not yet. Any whoosies. But to answer these questions, first things first, someone said, I'm about to be a new mom. Any tips for keeping quiet time and Bible reading a routine? That's really good because I'm not a mom, but I feel like being a mom, your kids take a lot of your routine. So how do you put staying in the word and reading your Bible and spending time with the Lord? How do you put that first when there is a screaming baby on your side? We were just talking about managing energy. You want to talk about a time you have no (laughs) no energy to manage. It's not even there. Yes. It's when you bring home a newborn. I bet there are some new moms right now in like the first few weeks and they're like, what energy do you want me to manage? I don't have any to manage it's gone like it is in they this stole child. it from yes. me <laughs> <laughs> it came straight out the other end but and that's and there's so much truth to that I had to learn I was beating myself up when Henley was born I love a routine I am I love routines you do this and then you do this and then you do She's that clenching your hands everyone. Yeah, I you am know I it. love a routine <laughs> there are none to be had I remember trying to force Henley into a routine it was you're supposed to do like eat play sleep eat, play, sleep was the pattern. And it was supposed to be like blocked off time that you're supposed to make your child do that. And Hanley like would not fit into that puzzle. And I would get a rage in me like you're supposed to do this be and you're going to do it, do what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> but all that to say, my routines were out the window at that time, especially with the first, because you are figuring out another human being and you have never had to do it before. The second one, you're like, hey, you get what you get, kid. You're fine. But the first one, you really, all routines are out. You're you're a whole new season of life and you cannot go back to the past one. I don't say that to bring fear. I say that to set expectations. And this is an incredible season. It's one of my favorite seasons I've ever walked through. But the first thing that went out was my time with Jesus. I was so sleepy. I just like, you know, I used to wake up early. I had a very in stone routine. I'd get up, I'd spend time in my Bible, I'd go work out, I'd take a shower, I'd eat my oatmeal, I'd go to work, clockwork every day. It was no longer that. And I didn't know how to work it in. And I beat myself up over it. And the thing I can say to first time moms more than anything else, or any, any moms, any person in general, you need grace for yourself. We talk about giving it to others. You need to give some to yourself because chances are good. You're not going to do six to seven days a week in your Bible in this season when you have your baby. But there are times that you're rocking a baby and that baby is asleep and you don't want to put her down. So you know what you do? You crack open your Bible app. You pick some devotionals Mm -hmm. that are short because time with your Bible open 
is hard those first few weeks because you just don't know what your routines are going to be. So mm. give yourself some grace and some time to figure out what that routine can look like, knowing it probably won't look like it used to. It might look like a, a blanket on the floor and the baby's just laying next to you and your Bible's open next mm, to you. It might look sweet. in the rocking chair with your Bible app and a, a devotional that you needed. I had to live in devotionals about fear and anxiety when I had Henley because I had never experienced fear and anxiety like that before being a mother. So I had to live on that. I had to put scripture about it everywhere because mm. Satan knew what my weakness was in that season. So I would just say a whole lot of grace and knowing whatever routine you had is probably not the one you could have now. And that is okay. Just try, just do your best. That's it. Just try, just, mm -hmm. just know that you need it and know it'll make you a better mom and make some time for it. Even if it's just five or 10 minutes, you can do it. I love just when moms are finding that new balance. I, I love talking to moms about it. They probably are annoyed, but sorry, all the moms out there I've talked to, but it's just so cool to see that this is the priority and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to utilize my resources. Mm -hmm. I'm going to open up my phone while my kid is, you know, feeding. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look at the Bible app. I'm going to set reminders on my phone. I'm going to, you know, wake up extra, extra early. Oh no, that doesn't work. It's okay. We're going to figure mm -hmm. it out. And so mm -hmm. I love that because it's not going to be perfect, but the grace, like that is mm -hmm. always where grace comes and in. And listen, mama, you're going to hit a routine. You will hit a rhythm with your baby. I promise you will hit a rhythm and it will become like second nature to you. But mm -hmm. just, you need a whole lot of grace those first few months because none of us, again, none of us know what we're doing. And your baby's different. Every baby's different. Don't you force your baby into something it's not supposed to be doing. A baby changes everything. <laughs> baby changes everything. And you know what also changes everything? Tell me. Two babies. <laughs> that is, and now that is a transition I can get behind because it is, <laughs> it is the truth. It is the truth. Uh, I love it. So another listener wants to know, which is, this is a good question. How do you bring a second baby into the mix? Obviously, we all know how, but like, how do you bring a second baby into the mix? What is it like? Will you please let us know? Because most everyone I know wants more than one child. So how do we do number two? Well, listen, babies are made when a man and a woman really <laughs> love each other. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I've ever shared this story before, but when I got pregnant with Hagen, I noticed I, I knew what to expect. For pregnancy that time I knew what to feel like with Henley I had no idea what to expect which is why I didn't know until like 12 weeks pregnant that I was pregnant with her because I just I just thought I was gaining a little bit of weight everything was a little bit tender I didn't know what was going on but with Hagen I was like oh shoot and I was actually our friend Kaylee who you've heard on here several times we were going somewhere together one day and I was like I want Arby's and I was like oh no she said what I said I only wanted Arby's when I was pregnant with Henley oh, like no. I was like, this is weird. And she's like, are you kidding me? I was like, I need to get a pregnancy test. So we went and got one. I took it in the office that day and it was negative because it was oh. too, it was too early. Now I know. Oh shoot. So about a week or two later, I took a second one. It was around Christmas. I'm I on think. the edge of my seat, honestly. My I mouth took was a second open. One. I didn't tell Ryan. I didn't say anything. Because I was like, I don't need, you know, like, I don't know what's like happening. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I took a like second a one and it was the day after Christmas. And I go and Hagen or golly, Ryan is in the living room floor with Henley and they're playing with her new toys that she got for Christmas. She's like two, she's almost two years old at that point. And hey, and Ryan's playing with her and I walk in and sit down on the couch and just start sobbing, <gasps> sobbing. And he looks at me, he's like, what is wrong? And then this is the last year. It'll just be the three of us for Christmas. And he didn't know. He didn't know. <laughs> that is how I told him that I was pregnant. Do you mean to do that? No, but I was like, I couldn't imagine. And bear with me. I loved Henley so much. 
so much. I could not imagine loving another kid like that. Like, oh, no. I didn't think I had space like, in my heart. I know. I was like, <laughs> I don't have enough for this second kid. I can only love the one. Sorry. I can't. And so I'm just sobbing, telling him That's or so whatever. Funny. And then we wrap our head around it and whatever. And then then we have find him. out <laughs> it's a boy. And I kid you not, when Hagen Holland was born, I remember Ryan walking over with him in the operating room because I had a C-section. Ryan is carrying him over. He is the size of a toddler. And Ryan is carrying him over to me. (laughs) He was huge. He was like 10 pounds. And Ryan's carrying him over to me. And I knew in that instant, and I looked at Ryan, I remember staring him in the eyes and saying, we needed him. Like, we needed him. And Ryan's just nodding at me. Like, it just, he fit so perfectly. We needed him and we didn't know we needed him. I cried on the way to the hospital, Rach. Ryan said, I started having contractions at the office, but I refused to acknowledge them. Oh, yeah. And good. so, yeah, I just carried on. And we were sitting at dinner and Ryan, like I kept like doubling over a little bit. And Ryan's <gasps> like, we're going to the hospital now. And I got in the car and sobbed. And I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. We're not ready. Hinley's not ready. Like it was, I just was so unsure about myself and the ability to oh have two gosh. kids. And Ryan brought him over to me and I just knew we needed him. Like we needed this baby in our lives. And so we brought him in and I will tell you the second one's just along for the ride. You know, mom, whoever <laughs> That's asked me. this, I was, I'm number, baby and number you two. have, and you have one and you're like, how do I fit a second one in? You're going to experience a lot of guilt at the front end because obviously a newborn baby needs you a whole lot. Yes. And you're going to experience the guilt of not being able to be, mm everything to the first one anymore like you've got to split who you are now between the two and that was I struggled with a lot of guilt for that because like Henley could not comprehend Mm -hmm. why I couldn't pick her up because I was healing from a c-section like why I couldn't do it and I did a lot of that way earlier than I was supposed to because I could not handle the guilt of not being able to that I cried a lot feeling like Henley didn't know she was still loved but that girl that girl knew she was loved. She had all Queen. the family and friends oh, yeah. that showered all their love on her because I was really all Hagen needed. Like the newborn stage, they just need their mama. That's it. And so after we got through that, then they got used to each other. Henley got used to it. Henley was terrified in the hospital because I was hooked up to machines. There was a lot going on. I can see that being scary. She was real scared in the hospital. Yeah. So I thought she hates her brother. She hates him. She hates him. And then we got home and she loved him. So Aww. all I'm going to say is you think it's going to be harder than it is. I promise you that the space is there in your heart for the baby and the space is in the heart, in the hearts of everyone in your family. And you will see that as soon as that baby is born. And oh then my the sibling, listen, the sibling just got to get used to it. There's no way to prepare him. You can talk about it. Henley would talk to Hagen in my stomach. She named him Juji, Juji. and she thought his name was going to be Juji. That's my new name now. <laughs> yep. And we talked and talked, we just talked a lot with her about it and Aww. let her ask questions and, answered him the best we could and then he showed up and she was like what the heck but she got way more attention from like her grandparents and our friends and family so she was like all right this isn't so bad I'm okay well I I suppose I'm okay with this (laughs) so I think one of my favorite things someone said your top three tips for childbirth and I was like yes what yes I don't listen I'm not gonna go into the my friend Genevieve who was on an episode last fall is a doula she can tell you the like medical side of what's going to happen because it's different for everyone but all i will say if you are about to have a baby if you are pregnant and on the road to having a baby please give us the top three tips manage your expectations okay i encourage you i know a birth plan might make you feel better but my fear for you with a birth plan is it might not be what you planned and are Mm. you ready to be okay with that That's all I'm saying. Like have a birth plan. If that is comforting to you, absolutely. 
that make the space in your mind that it might not go the way you planned it and be okay with that. Like, a detour. Yes. If you will. Prepare yourself for a detour because you might have to have one. Choose wisely who is with you. Mm. I only had Ryan. That's a good one. I was very intentional about only having Ryan. <laughs> with Henley, all of our friends and family showed up as soon as I went in labor and they had to wait a long time. Henley took her sweet time. And I just kept feeling so guilty that they were waiting. And so mm-hmm. I would push even harder because I was like, this has to be over. They need to, they want to go home. I like, would do that. I you get know, that. Like, yes. Yes. Right. That and is. so, yes. And it almost like took away some of the joy of the experience yes. because I was so worried That's about, a good word. I was so worried about who was in the waiting room with Hagen. It happened in the middle of the night. No one was there. No one even knew except for Ryan's mom who was taking care of Henley. No one even knew we were at the hospital. And then I texted him all in the morning that he was here. Surprise. Yes. So um, (laughs) choose wisely who is with you, especially if you take on the feelings of others, which I do very easily. Also, you will never be ready. If you are pregnant right now and you are waiting to all of a sudden feel like you know enough about it to be okay with childbirth, to be prepared for it, you're never going to be ready. It's not going to happen. You are not going to read one piece of information one day and be like, oh, wow, I'm going to have a baby now. Let's do this. I'm prepared. You're not going to be. You just, you're not. Trust your doctors. Pick doctors that you love and just let them tell you what to do. I intentionally read nothing about childbirth before. I didn't do any of the classes. I didn't do anything. I wanted to be ignorant (laughs) because it would create too many questions. I would worry too much. I know myself. It's like the, the, what is it called? WebMD. Yes. Oh my gosh. Is that a, is that a syndrome now? Like WebMD syndrome? It has to be. Where you just... I guess so it's just, hypo, those are my three. And listen, if you ever want to talk about it, my favorite things to talk about are pregnancy and childbirth. I love it. She, I want to prepare everyone. I'm not going to lie to you. This may or not be true. She did offer to be a surrogate. So I, <laughs> let me tell you something. I I'm loved, like, you promise? <laughs> I loved being pregnant. I want to. This Ryan knows. Listen, Ryan's trying to tell me I can't have another baby and I'm working on trapping him into one. But right. I will tell you, trapping I want to. <laughs> I loved being pregnant. I'm like, you're scared of it? Let me carry a baby for you. I got you. I'll hand, I'll hand that baby right off as long I'm as I can still it. hold it. I don't, I don't know if I have the money for it, though. <laughs> you know, it's like $60,000. I'd give you a discount. Would you? Mm-hmm. Friends and 30, family. 30000 <laughs> Half off. 10% <laughs> off. <laughs> That's still so much money. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> dreading one day. It's going to be great, though. It'll it's be, great. be great. It's, it's so great. It's the greatest. Ryan and I still talk about it. You have, like an intimacy with your husband. That's great when you first get married and everything else. But when you go through childbirth together, the intimacy level that you reach is, I can't even describe it. It is like, it is top three most special moments I've ever had with Ryan. Sweet. That's so great. That's actually really, really sweet. So before kids, before marriage, Mm -hmm. obviously you got to go to college. Go to college. Got got a lot of college questions. So with all of the college questions, I think this one is maybe the best. So we chose it. Does everyone go through a funk post-college? So that post-college funk. You graduate, you walk the stage, yes. you start a job. What What maybe. is that like? Yeah, maybe may, you're maybe you're looking for a job for a long time. But I mean, you know what they're talking about with this question, don't you? Like the weirdness you feel yes. out of college. And you're like, okay, I'm supposed to be an adult now, but I don't even know what that looks like. You know, like the adulting part, I very much can be like, I am post-college age. I should know what I'm doing, but I also have no idea. But also I live by myself now in my apartment, but also I I don't know how to do my taxes. It's like I've spent <laughs> the last 22 years of my life being prepared for this moment. Yes. And I still do not feel 
as prepared. But I think that's partly because you've spent your whole life being told who you are. Yes. You have. Like, whether it's by parents or teachers or coaches or maybe friends. And then you you step out of college and there's this weird tension of figuring out who you want to be. Well, you walk across the stage and it's like, here's your paper. Here's your state. You walk across it. Okay. You're ready for the world. And you're like, but I still don't. You all have told me who I am all along. Yeah. But I don't know who I want to be. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I haven't really stepped. I don't feel like I've stepped into who God has called me to be yet. Yeah. So what do I do with that tension? And that whole question I ask myself all the time, what story do I want to tell? When I'm in a circumstance, I don't know what to do. A uh, decision, I don't know how to make it. What story do I want to tell? And you get out of college, you're like, okay, essentially kind of starting my story in a lot of ways. Like yeah. you have your, so many things are excused. In those pre-22 years. Yeah. Oh, you're young. Oh, you're so young. Yes. You'll figure it out. you got plenty of time. And And then the time comes and you're like, do I? What am I I doing? What has God purposed me to do? And it it comes with all this pressure to figure it out like today or tomorrow, Mm -hmm. like now. Yeah. And everyone's telling you just to jump into, you know, your next life phase, especially in the South. It's like, okay, graduate college. You need to get engaged. You need to get married. You need to have a baby. You need to have your next baby. And that's the first question everybody asks you when you're in family gatherings. It's all they know how to talk about. It's like whatever phase you're in is not enough. They want to know when the next one's coming. And you're like, I haven't figured out this one yet. Mm -mm. Like, I don't know who I am within this one. Sometimes I'm like, can we just ask me my favorite color? Like, ask me what superhero I would be. Can we not talk about movies? Let's talk talk Kardashians or Real Housewives. Anything else. Tell me what you're watching on Netflix. You know, like whether it's career or engagement or marriage or parenthood, whatever. But I look back on that season and it seems like it makes more sense to figure out who you are, what you like to do what you're passionate about, what you actually value the most. Those are the cores of building up who you are and discovering who you are personally first. Will you repeat those again? Because I think that's actually really good. So the question was, does everyone go through a funk post-college? The answer is yes. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Whether it's for a year or two. But what are the things that you said? Because post-college we're trying to find out who we are mm-hmm. or we're trying to find out who God has created us to be. Mm-hmm. Will you say those things again? You know, I just look back and I wish I had spent more time, you know, figuring that who you are piece out. So like, what do you like to do? What are you passionate about? Like to do is different than passion. Like mm-hmm. to do is I like, I personally, I like the way I feel when I run. Mm-hmm. I'm not passionate about running. I'm not trying to learn more about running. I, I don't that. feel like my running is going to change the world, but I like it. I know that about myself. So yeah. I made it a routine in my life because I nice like, treadmill. <laughs> I know, gosh, the greatest gift I've ever been given in, <laughs> in all gifts ever. But, you know, I think about what, what do I like to do? Not what have I had to do all of these years? What do I actually like to do? Okay, what am I passionate about? What stirs a fire in me? I, I can run laps if I get to talk about this topic mm. or if I get to do this thing or yeah. if I get to be with this set of people. What are you passionate about and what do you value most? Because these values that you are creating, your core values for you, yourself, personally, all of these things together, knowing these will guide all your next phases and it will keep you from the relationships, the moments, the jobs that you wish you could take back Mm. because you are doing these foundational pieces. Now it will guide your decisions in the future. Otherwise you're living on a whim. Like I used to take pride that I would fly by the seat of my pants. Like, I don't know, whatever. Like, sure. I can go with the flow. I can, I'm great off the cuff, but it created a lot of mistakes. It created a lot of things I wish I could take back a Mm. lot of things that I regretted. And so, you know, our pastor says it this way. And I'm sure you've heard him say this, Rachel. He says, master mission mate. 
know who your master is. Spend some time knowing Jesus. Spend some time in his word, getting to know who he has made you to be in him first. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to give you what your mission is. And you know what flows out of that? Your job, your career, your values, what you're passionate about. And then there's the mate part. And that's when you see, oh, you're, wait, what you value is what I value. What you're passionate about is kind of what I'm passionate about. Or they they complement each other. Mm -hmm. They somehow go together in that way. And they just all flow into one another. And they'll guide each season of life. So if if you're you're out of college, spend some time figuring out who your people are. Like, because friends are weird out of college too. It's so weird. It's just like trying to find your people. It's for the first time you yeah. have to make friends that aren't based on pro- proximity, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. you have to make an effort. Yes. You like, have to start trying. Yeah. And you're like, what the heck? It was just whoever was sitting next to me. What, what are you? And now I have to text you. I know. I have to text but, you back. <laughs> yeah. And I know that pressure is what makes it feel funky. That pressure to know. You don't have to know right now. This is actually the perfect season to figure it out. And so, acknowledging that we're all in this like awkward state makes it less awkward. Mm-hmm. You know, just pointing it out, you know, just makes it just a little truth shared experience. Yeah. Just a little less. Awkward. You know, you're here, here. Okay. I'm here too. Okay. Great. Let's go. <laughs> we're going to run this race together. It's mm-hmm. going to be great. Speaking of running races, dear goodness, 20, 2020 and 2021. Whew, what a Does race feel, we've run. Do you so kind of feel though like 2020 was 10 years ago now? Yes. Does it not feel like we were watching the end of a show? It was uh, Last Chance You, which terrible language, but they're great storytellers, like the way that they produce this show on Netflix. And they got to the end and it was when the pandemic was just starting. And Mm. someone was like, guys, we can't play the tournament, but this should all be over in May. And and I was like, little did we know. We were all saying that. I almost booked a cruise. I almost booked a cruise. Because I was like, oh, this is going to be, ever- the cruise prices are so low. I didn't, by the way. I was smart. But it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, it's all going to be over. That's what everyone said. Everyone said, news outlets, my mom, my dad, everyone, everyone. Two weeks only. Two weeks tops. Yeah. Give us two weeks to get this under control. Yeah. Stay, like, wear your mask, stay inside, whatever. Oh. LOL. Oh, my God. That was good times. But what, what do you think? Because we have come on the other side, kind of, almost. We're getting there. We're chugging along. We're on the train track. But in that train track looking back it's a long track it's long looking back or it feels like a long time which can be good honestly and looking back and learning what what all we were taught what all we made mistakes in and all that kind of jazz so what would you say is the best thing that you learned from 2020 and 2021 you know, I think I loved this question because I think with the space you were just talking about that we now have from 2020, we can finally figure out how am I different? I I used to ask this. I remember asking this back in May of 2020. Who are we going to be on the other side of this? Like, who am I going mm. to be? And I think I'm just now figuring out who that is. The other day I was driving down the road and the song It Is Finished came on, which is a worship song. Passion at the Passion Conference in 2019, I guess, did It Is Finished into Surrounded, which are two just incredible. Ooh, that's like, that's good. I'm not kidding. These two songs together. Did you weep? I, yes, I was crying, <laughs> like just uh, tears down my face. But there is one lyric that I have overlooked, and it is exactly what I learned in 2020. And I just noticed it a few weeks ago. But it's the second verse, and it says, The cross needs no addition. Hmm. And I want to add to it. You know, I want to add to what Jesus did with my efforts, with my thoughts, with a platform. 
but already have a seat at the highest table. If you follow Jesus, you are already seated at the table of the king. You don't get any higher than that. But we pursue more. Oh, yeah. Because we think we can add to the cross and the cross needs no addition. And when I heard that, I thought that is what I had to, because in 2020, Mm. we spent so much time wanting to validate what we did, you know, like the essential, non-essential, the needed, not needed. Having to face that, especially for me personally, that, you know, I'm still rolling around down here checking how many podcast downloads I have or how many likes a picture got or how many people invite me to do something. We're still chasing titles and positions and platforms. And Jesus says, what I did doesn't need anything added to it. And the moment I allow the cross to be enough is the moment that I will feel like enough. And I I played around with that sentence because I had to write down what that lyric meant to me. And I thought, I I'm I thought, do I mean the word allow? Like the moment I allow the cross to be enough. And I do mean it because I I think that his work his work is finished, period. And it's me who has to make the decision to put down, you know, my life, my insecurities, my anxieties, my bitterness, anger, gossip, comparison, jealousy, pain, sorrow, fear, whatever, to put that down, the decision to put it down and pick up his cross, knowing that it's enough. And allowing that truth to be the root of my every day, uh, my every minute, my every second. And that's harder than I realized because it is a, a mindset. It's allowing it to be enough. So the, the times when I start doing more and I start burning out because, you know, I want to prove something, it's all already proven. And again, hear me when I say this is not crazy stuff you've never heard before. If you follow Jesus, you've heard this on some degree, right? Like, it's, it's a good reminder, though. It's on some level. So yeah. I don't think that this is like, I've never considered this. But I'm telling you, we pick up our own lives way more than we realize. Mm, we good. pick everything back up. We might lay it at the feet of Jesus, but we circle back and we pick it right back up and continue on with our day. Yeah. And the more that I remind myself that the cross needs no addition, that it's enough as is. Nothing I do is going to add to what he's already done. Nothing can. And my seat is already secured at the highest table, no matter what anyone says about me, mm-hmm. no matter what anyone allows me to do or not do or what I think I should do or don't get to do. His work and the work that I do, his work is done and the work I do for it is just for that glory and nothing else. And if he chooses to use me, it's for his glory and nothing mm-hmm. else. I have to just remember it's him and nothing else. I love that. It's so wild because in 2020, at the beginning, it was very much like, yeah, like the who are you going to be on the side of this? Like you need to work out every day and mm-hmm. you're, you know, now you have the time you're working from home. You can make your own schedule and you can do this and you can do that. And it's, it was great. Like I personally love that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, tanning while answering emails, like nothing. Mm-hmm. I thrive. Me, I, thrive. I can do it all. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. But it's just one of those things where we were told to do a lot, which is great. And I personally, I love that. Prove that you're important to whatever yeah. you do. Yep. Exactly. But it it was just so cool how you said allowing that verb because that is a verb. Mm-hmm. You have to allow it. You have to, you have to let that happen. Mm-hmm. God's going to work and he's going to do what he's going to do. But yes, you want to be a part of it, but you have to allow that to happen mm-hmm. in your own life. And so it's, that was really good just because you can choose to do all these things. Like the world kind of just wants us to be the best you and you're the main character and all this kind of stuff that it tells us. And 
you know, that's just not really right. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's good to do those things. It's not bad, but is it replacing the one verb that you need to do? Mm -hmm. You know, like all mm -hmm. these verbs that the world is telling you to do, you just need to allow him to work. Mm -hmm. Like, is that, are you missing out on that one important verb? Gosh. And even off that, what you're just saying, you know, we will sit rage and pray like God remove this from me, mm -hmm. remove this anger, remove this insecurity, remove this need to compare, remove whatever, mm -hmm. fill in the blank with whatever it is for you. Yeah. Please God, remove it. And I think at times he's looking at us like, I need you to release it. Yeah. Like, I need you, I need you to, to let go of that. Mm -hmm. Like you want me to remove it. That's fine. But it's going to keep coming up until you release it until yeah. you see that the work that was done on the cross was enough. And you trying to be enough is going to be an endless hamster Ooh. wheel over and over again. It's it's such a good reminder because mm -hmm. it, it says in Luke that we need to pick up our cross daily and follow him. It, it just looks like allowing him in our lives mm -hmm. to do that. And mm -hmm. so it's just one of those things where it's, it's just such a good reminder where whether we're talking about college or whether we're talking about motherhood mm -hmm. or, you know, we're in college or post-college or uh, we just got married or, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're single and mm -hmm. we're thriving, honey. Mm -hmm. Like whatever kind of season we're at, it's so important to, just allow him to work, but, mm -hmm. but lay everything down at his feet so that we can see it. Cause he's working mm -hmm. obviously, but it's the laying it down at his feet to say, and kind of just looking up at him. I just kind of picture like him being on the cross and us like laying down whatever we have at the foot of it and looking up at him and being like, okay, we got to release it. And mm -hmm. so whether like kind of just whatever stage of life that we are in, it's just, it's just so cool. As mm -hmm. Jesus followers, I may not connect with any other people that are in different stages of life, or I may struggle with that, but the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross because we all struggle with mm -hmm. stuff. And so looking up to Jesus and saying, hey, we can link arms hand in hand, and no one told us you know, mm -hmm. how to how to necessarily follow Jesus, but we're going to do our best and, and we're going to help each other along the way because we're made to do life mm. together, obviously. Mm. But yeah, I, uh, I got to go to lunch with an old friend of mine just the other day. And off of what you're saying, the, she was such a reminder of why we do what we do here at no one told me that she just went through something very difficult. She just had a, a miscarriage in February and we were talking through it and she just had tears coming down her eyes. And she, she said, you know, Kelly, I didn't know, until I went through this and shared that experience with someone else, all the women who have said, I had that happened to me too. And I felt so isolated in it because oh, I didn't gosh. know how to talk about it to yeah. anybody. And here you are going through one of the deepest and most incredible moments of grief that you can ever experience. And to think you are isolated in it because you think no one else understands it. Oof. That just can't be like we we are better than that. And we can come around each other with these experiences and say, it's not just you, it's me together. And if you're not there yet, hold my hand, I'm gonna take you through it. I'm gonna walk you through this because I've been in it. And I promise you, I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that it's like we said before we recorded, you might still have to walk this path, but I can make it smoother. I can make it less rocky. I can remove things you're gonna trip over right now. And I can walk along with you to make sure that everything I know, you know, along the way. That's good. That's real good. I really appreciate you inviting me to ask you these questions because you do a lot of the time, you do a lot of the asking 
And, you know, people want to know these things about how do you navigate through motherhood and why did you start this podcast? And is it weird to be in a funk post-college? Like all these questions are so normal. And so thank you for allowing us the opportunity to ask you these questions so that we can know, yeah, it's normal. (laughs) And I love all the questions. Nothing warms my heart more than opening up DMs on Mondays or Tuesdays from you all that are like, gosh, I didn't know that someone else was saying this or thought this or felt this or, or maybe Maybe it's just a random question. I had someone reach out that I've never met. She's from Connecticut. And she Shout was out like, Connecticut listeners. <laughs> she was like, here's who, here's what I'm Woo. going through right now in my marriage. Have mm. you ever experienced this? She was hoping for shared experience. And truth be told, in a lot of ways, I'm trying to be Delilah. You know? Like, Delilah. Just in a lot of ways, that's what I'm going for. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a queen. Yeah. I know. <laughs> that's just radio. the goal. If you want to know the goal of this podcast, next step, Delilah's job. Delilah, that's what I'm going we're after. coming for you. <laughs> Hey, Rach, do you have something that you're happy someone did tell you about? Oh my gosh. I knew, I didn't know this was coming, but I did know this was coming because I am a longtime listener. Oh, you know what? I've been just thriving in TikTok and not just like I'm a watcher. I am a participant now. Are you? I am. What are you TikToking? Tell me more. Honestly, everything. Yeah. The people want to know. Just kidding. No one cares. But But it's just so fun because I have been like, I love like making videos and like Mm -hmm. doing fun things like that. And I always have ever since I was, I don't even know, like in high school. And it's just, it's one minute. It's no pressure because no one watches anyways. Mm. The creators on TikTok blow my mind. Like what do you guys figure out how to do and execute? It is why, and let me tell you, you have got to just do your best to curate your TikTok. There's a lot of stuff you don't want to see on there. There's a lot of stuff. That's true. But if you like and watch the right things, then TikTok is phenomenal oh. at creating a page that's yes. only what you want to see. It's yeah. incredible. Can I tell you, I hope social media is dead by the time my children are <gasps> old enough to want it. Yeah. It won't be, but I, I want this, it. I saw this thing the other day. This may be boring. and I'm really sorry, everyone. But I saw this thing the other day where people are guessing that social media is going to be like people are going to be so just disgusted with it. Like this age that is like your kids, like how old they are now that they will completely reject it. I hope so. I, I heard that that was, I'm going to start planting those seeds right now. We've got some plans and some ideas for no one told me coming up and That's I'm a, just, you don't even want to know. It's you don't even want to know. You might not want to know once we release it and be like, ah, I wish I didn't know that. Well, but you know, that's what we do. We, we throw things at the wall. We see if it sticks. Yeah, so it sticks. It's like spaghetti noodles. Hey, I love you, Rach. I love, love all the listeners that sent in questions. That was fun. I'm sorry if we didn't get to yours. You. Listen, oh, a forehead kiss. That's so specific. I don't know if I feel weird about it or not. I I'll can't do decide. it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see you next week. love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.